May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. This morning we find ourselves at the very beginning of the Sermon of Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel of Matthew. It's Jesus' first public teaching in this Gospel. It's the first sermon that we have recorded that Jesus gives. It's, it's a teaching that encapsulates sort of his entire message, boils it down, distills it to its most uh, basic parts. It's a sermon that will unfold throughout the story and the life of the rest of the Gospel. This sermon of Jesus begins with the Beatitudes, the familiar and cherished words that we just heard. Words that we actually hear quite a bit in our life together. We heard, we will hear them again this fall when we come to All Saints Day. We heard a different version of them from the Gospel of Luke this past November and last winter. It's words that we hear time and again. As Jesus' first words in this sermon, they serve as an introduction to his teaching, and they're an engaging set of words. But sometimes words that are so familiar lose their meaning. We don't really pay attention to them. We sort of glaze over when we hear them. We go onto autopilot. Our ears just sort of tune out instinctively, and we just let them go over it. And so I hope today to pay a little more attention to these words, to perhaps hear them in a new way. I think one way to do this is to pay attention to our emotions as we are listening to these words. So I'm going to read the words once again. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. You can open them again after I finish reading the the, the Beatitudes, and to really listen to what emotions are coming up for you as you hear. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, 
What did you feel in hearing those words? What emotions came up for you? Perhaps one thing that we may feel in hearing these words is comfort. These are beautiful words. Words with the promise of change, the promise of wholeness and healing, that in the brokenness and pain of this world, something different is coming our way. Perhaps this inspires hope. The good is coming. Jesus is promising us that good will come. Perhaps at the same time of these, you feel discomfort. I mean, what Jesus is talking about is so very different from the way the world works. It's the beginning of his teachings on the great reversal of social order and how what we expect to be is actually upside down in the kingdom. I mean, when we think about those who are blessed and we look around our world, we may think of those who have a, a big, beautiful house or a really nice car or a well-trained job or those in great physical condition. But we don't often think of the poor in spirit or the mourning or the weak, meek as blessed. Perhaps this is disturbing. Maybe it brings up questions. Where do we fit in? Will we be blessed? I think the more we pay attention to these words and the more differently we hear them, perhaps the more unfamiliar and strange they may become. I mean, if we think back to 2,000 years ago, these words must have been radical statements in their time. This proclamation of Jesus is almost saying that everything you value is upside down. What is blessed is not what you think it is. I think another way to, to understand the Beatitudes in a different way is to look at how they might have been used by early Christians. Helmut Kester, the great biblical theologian, suggests that the Beatitudes, before the Gospel of Matthew was actually written down, were probably used as a form of catechism. And we can hear it in the words. You know, there's something didactic about repetition. Blessed are for those child. Again and again and again. If you ever have worked with little children, a lot of times through memorization, when the words are similar and there's this repetition, it's easier to hold on to. Something that can be memorized and repeated often. Perhaps it was used liturgically when they gathered together as a form of teaching, as a form of affirmation of faith, perhaps in the same way that, that we use the Nicene Creed. But instead of statements of belief, this catechism is a proclamation of values. It's not saying, I believe A, B, C, and D. It says, what is valuable to us are these things. It reveals what is at the heart of the Christian life, faith, and hope. And so I can't help but wondering, what would a community look like 
who held these things as their core values. And just as a little spoiler, I'm not going to answer that question. Instead, I just want to invite you into that space of that question and take a little glimpse at each one of these things that Jesus is saying is blessed. First, we have the poor in spirit. Now, if you're anything like me, this is a very confusing phrase. What does that mean? One argument that I found compelling is, is Walter Wilson, who claims that the added word in spirit suggests then that the poverty takes the form of spiritual despondency. To those who have lost hope in the world, Jesus promises a place in the heavenly kingdom. I think what he's saying here is that poverty in spirit may mean something to the effect of a weariness with this world. A weariness for how the status quo is. A longing for the kingdom of God, the holy desire to live in a different order, a different way of being, craving what is different. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, those who care. I can't help but thinking of mourning is a sign of love. We mourn because we love someone or something that is no longer present. The late Queen of Elizabeth said, grief is the price that we pay for love. Now, the early church theologians and Christian thinkers emphasized that this mourning is also the mourning over the sins of the world. That there is blessing to be found when we mourn the sins of the world. And when I think about mourning the sins of the world, what that looks like to me, I actually turn to our Trinity family. I look at our social justice ministry who mourns over the sins of racism and oppression. I think of our outreach efforts that proclaim that we mourn the sins of greed, the withholding of opportunity, the prioritization of things over people. I think this is what it means to mourn the sins of the world. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Meek is another tricky word. Do we view it as weak? What is going on here? Ulrich Lutz says that meekness is humility that is expressed in kindness and gentleness. Humility that is expressed in kindness and gentleness. Humility the admission of our need for God and others put into action through being kind and gentle with those around us. This is the meekness that is blessed. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed. To me, when I hear this, different people pop up into my head, and maybe they do in yours. If you think of a parent or a grandparent, or some spiritual mentor in your life who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. We normally think of 
being hungry and thirsty as states that need to be corrected. If we're hungry, we go get something to eat. If we're thirsty, we go get something to drink. But unsatisfied desire, unsatisfied hunger and thirst are longings that can bring us closer to the heart of God. It's sort of the impetus that drives us forward, that urges us to become more like God, to be Christ's hands and feet here on earth, hunger and thirsting for righteousness. Jesus tells us that the merciful are blessed. The merciful are those who act, who show goodness, who act compassionately, regardless of whether the other party is deserving, who embody love in everything they do, no matter the circumstances, doing everything as if they were doing it unto God, making the kingdom real by their actions the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, those whose intentions are in tune to the divine heartbeat. Those who see the best in people, those who nurture those good things that are life-giving in themselves and those around them, the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, of course, there are the global peacemakers, those who strive for good, those who win the Nobel Peace Prize. But I think just as importantly, are those of us who strive for peace in their everyday lives. Peace is a rare commodity. Peace in our friendships, in our families. I think peace also implies being agents of reconciliation to bring people together. Last, Jesus says that blessed are those who are persecuted. I normally skip over this one, but I just want to say something here. There's a form of Christianity in the United States that, that it's important to them that Christians are persecuted, but the persecution Jesus is talking about here is nothing like we'll ever experience in our lives. The original hearers, the, the 12 apostles, were all killed for their faith. In the original hearing and telling of this in the Christian church, death because of following Christ was persecution. And their previous state would be changed, honored, and their dignity restored through this promise. This is what Jesus is teaching through these words. He's teaching us what our values should be, where our priorities should lie, and then how we should act out of them. I wonder what it would look like if these were the things we prized, the attributes we cultivated and chose to live into, that when people ask us who we are, we could say, these are the things that we are. This sort of kingdom way of being. And again, I'm not going to give you some sort of answer, but an invitation. I would like to invite each of you to pray these words with me each day this week. 
could be something as simple as reading them with your cup of coffee in the morning, reciting them before you're going to bed, or, or perhaps sitting with the Beatitudes in silence, repeating them over multiple times, quietly meditating on each phrase. But whatever form it takes, I encourage you most of all to listen. We like to talk, to hear, listen, hear what God is calling you to do. Pay attention to the motions that call up. Pay attention to what visions are created in your head. Pay attention to what the specific actions we are divinely drawn towards. It's through this prayerful discernment, it's through sitting with these words, it's through repeating them, that we can truly become people of the Beatitudes, God's beloved, who are deeply and eternally blessed.